0: And if you're in the foyer, I'm going to use my principal voice, get in here. <laughs> I didn't convince anybody. <laughs> Seeing that... I've lost it. I have lost it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to welcome you to Christ Central Church. My name is Gary Glenn. I'm one of the leaders here. And uh, at, at the risk of having inside... Commentary. That's not ever, not ever polite. Tomorrow will mark the uh, one-year anniversary of my retirement as a school principal. So yeah, it's great. Party at my place. All he says, yeah. But um, yeah, it's been an interesting year. It's been a it's been a, an adjustment year as as anybody who has been through. Um, leaving one chapter of work, in my case, for 33 years, and moving into another chapter of the unknown. uh, It's a whole new game. It's a whole new realm. And uh, it's been, uh, it's had its ups and downs, I'll be honest. Like this year, going uh, into September, uh, having uh, had school start up for so many years, September through till. Christmas, Uh, my time was taken up with a lot of stuff. But as Barb will tell you, I fully didn't adjust in the fall. And uh, so uh, Grumpy Gary was around some. (laughs) Hey, I can't be real. Uh, But having to adjust. And uh, to be honest, the biggest adjustment period for me was uh, after March. And on to just recently. Um, and what was really interesting was that um, I started working for St. Thomas, doing some oversight of student intern teachers, which was really fun. And it's really the thing that, um, that I felt like was in my wheelhouse when I was a principal. I would evaluate and observe teachers all the time, and really love that, encouraging uh, young teachers and older teachers. But the thing that I really started to, uh, I guess, try to come to terms with from March to, and by the way, this isn't my message, this is all free stuff, uh, okay? Um, TikTok, yeah. Uh, Barb's always watching the clocks, as always, but um, the thing was, was that I, uh, that I've realized was that um, I was really challenged with this whole, this whole idea of identity, And where my identity truly lies and you can't help but do something for so long and it become part of who you are and now I know that my identity is found in Jesus my identity is fully found in Christ I know that Um, I'm going to speak about that this morning but I really came to had to come to terms with my worth and my my purpose and, and to be honest, I'm still working through this, but it was really cool uh, in the midst of some despondent feelings, and by the way, you can't trust your feelings. You know that, right? How many times have you heard you can't trust your feelings? You, you just can't. Your feelings will lie to you. They, they, they are not the, the rock upon which we trust, um, and, and our feelings will always override our attempt to override what we know to be true right and what we know to be true is that Jesus is who we find our identity in So here I am at this conference I feel like I need to say this this morning I was at this conference in Halifax the multiply conference which was great and we're worshiping and I I got to be honest I am not one who is given to having if you want to call it a vision I had but I had this. I can't even describe it. It was very real. Uh, it was very private, but I'm going to share it. Um, I was worshiping God, and all of a sudden, I saw myself laying on this field, and I was dead. Like, lights out. And the next, and so I'm watching this happen. I'm watching myself laid out on this field. And the next thing I know, I see the ambulance Oh, jeez. The ambulance show up. My grandkids were just with us, and they don't know how to pronounce ambulance. And they say ambulance, and I just said ambulance. We are trying to correct them. It didn't work. Um, so the ambulance shows up, and the lights are going, and out of the ambulance pops an EMT, and dressed in their their outfit, you know, they have the reflective tape and all that stuff, on their jackets and so on. And... Lo and behold, the EMT was Jesus. And yeah, I know, it's pretty bizarre, right? But this is what I saw. Like I was worshiping God. I said, like, is this really happening? Am I really seeing this? And, and realizing as this is happening, I mean, the tears are coming down. Like I just don't cry very much. You know me well. And I'm not given to emotion. But uh, here I am. And Jesus comes over and he starts Doing CPR on me and the heart rate monitor is there and it's like and he's doing he's doing the CPR thing and he's looking at the monitor, he's looking at me, he's looking at the monitor, keeping doing the compressions, and nothing's working. And then as he he takes another look at the heart rate monitor, he stops. And he starts doing what? Any who, Matt, where are you, Matt Piemonte. What do you call that when they pound on your chest? Is it just kind of thump. precordial thump? Well, that's what was Jesus was thumping me <laughs> precordially. <laughs> and that was what was happening. And as he was giving it, and he was looking at the monitor as if, like, it he was like concerned, but he he kept doing that, and the next thing you know, it was like. And I'm coming to life. And this is happening in the span of like, all of what I've said is, it happens in like eight seconds. And then I'm like, who called 911? Who, who called 911 who called anyway? It's like, and Jesus said in an instant, well, you cried out to me. You cried out to me, and I got here, didn't I? And then the next thing I remembered in this picture was the story of Lazarus. And Jesus, it appears, takes his time, and they wait. But Jesus, his timing is perfect, and he shows up, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And it was like, Gary, come forth. And you know, from that moment, like when that happened, I can't explain it, but I feel like there's, not I feel, I know that there's been a difference and it may not be reflected in everything about me and who, how, I'm, how I'm operating in this last couple months, but you know what? I know there's a difference. I have this sense that God has resurrected me in areas of my life that were dead. But his timing is perfect. And when you call out to him, it's like calling 911. Have you ever been in an emergency situation and you, you call 911 and it seems like it takes forever? Jesus comes. And when he gets there, his timing is right. And he's the only person who can give you a resuscitation of life, he's the only one. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And Jesus quotes this scripture in Matthew 5. I believe it's Matthew 5. Ben, is it? Luke four. Luke 4. Sorry. Matthew 5 was another one that I was looking at this morning. Thanks, Ben. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this next part, Jesus doesn't quote and the day of vengeance of our God. He doesn't quote that. He stops. Because you know what? The vengeance of God was poured out on Jesus and not you and not me. And Jesus comes to resurrect us and to do what Matt said. And he does it in his timing, and he does it, and it's effectual, and he does it, and it raises us to life, and it changes our perspective on things. He does that. He's amazing. He's amazing. I, I just feel like i got to take a detour here. I, was, I had a message all prepared. I'm not going to preach that message. So I'm going to go off the cuff. Are we good with that? Are we all right? So I'm in Isaiah 61 if you haven't figured it out. I'm going to stick here for a moment. Jesus is the one who comes to comfort those who mourn. He comes to comfort you in your mourning. And My question this morning would be, What are you mourning? Are you mourning a person? Are you mourning a frustrated relationship? Are you mourning the loss of a job? Are you mourning financial struggle? Are you mourning the guilt of sin? Are you mourning take your pick, fill in the blank. See, we mourn things sometimes that aren't worthy of mourning. There are things that are worthy of mourning. But God wants to remind us that he has come to comfort us in those things which have value in mourning. And so he comes and he comes, comes under us. And there's some of us that are mourning things right now that as Jesus puts his defibrillator on your heart and brings you to life, you realize, why was I mourning this anyway? Because it's not been worthy of mourning. And he wants to bring you to life in death. This isn't depressing. This is life-giving. Because that's what Jesus does. He gives life. And he gives it to the full. He gives it abundantly. He comes to comfort those who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion. You know, when you see the word Zion in the Old Testament... Jesus fulfills all the scripture, right? And we're talking about the church because God's plan A and there isn't a plan B for the world is the church and the mystery of Christ has been revealed in the church and the church is his new creation. We could go on for a long time about that one. But he's come to restore those who mourn in Zion and to do this. You see, because... In our morning, sometimes what we do is we stay in the morning period a little too long. But he says, I want to come and give a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Like, our African sisters, you know how to rock a headdress. Like, don't you love the headdress? And When Barb and I have been in Africa, what's beautiful is this headdress. I have to think it's connected. Even though it's a cultural thing, I have to think that it's connected with gladness. It's connected with the joy of God, the beautiful colors. And he wants us to put on a new headdress of joy instead of ashes. And you know, there's some of us here this morning, that maybe you've had the ashes on your forehead too long. It's quite possible. And what Jesus wants you to do this morning is to put on a headdress of joy, a garment of praise, because what? The Spirit gives us joy instead of mourning, right? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So I'm just going to be honest. I just feel like it could be that there's a bit of a spirit of heaviness that might be surrounding some of us. But God says, I'm come to give you the garment of praise. And you're clothed in Christ. You see, the garment of praise that you have is the clothing that you are in Christ. There's nothing that you can do, there's nothing you can't do to get you out of him. He has you perfectly encased in himself. His garment is praise because that's who Jesus is. Jesus is praise. Jesus, I think, was the happiest man ever. And if you read the scriptures and you see like the images, you, you read and you see the images of Jesus playing with children, I can just imagine that he was quite a well, we know he was quite offensive. He was offensive in the right way and in, for the right reasons, but he would have offended the religious mind because he was so joyful. I mean, when you're in a sucky place, seriously, when you're in a sucky place. Do you want to be around joyful people? Be honest. Why do you think that is? It's because, you see, we war, you see, we we assign so many things to the devil. But you know what? We war, and we still have this, this temporary encasement called flesh. It's it's this thing that we have that is yet to be glorified. There's the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. And God is going to glorify your bodies, your physical bodies. Your, your soulishness is going to be glorified one day. But for now, we are tre- we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And these earthen vessels, they suck sometimes, don't they? I mean, seriously. They really do. They're no fun sometimes. Now, having just turned 60 in April, I'm, I've am i been noticing, like, I creak more in the morning. Like, I do, not just since I've been 60, but for probably the last number of years. Uh, there's adjustments that get made, right? And... But I, there's, there's times when I, I just don't like, I don't like my flesh. I don't like my flesh's propensity to resist God. I don't like how my flesh doesn't want to be in God's presence. I don't like how my flesh wants to lie. I don't like how my flesh doesn't want to be vulnerable and honest and transparent. I don't like how my flesh wants the easy way out. I don't like how my flesh does all those things. But there is a day, there is a day when positionally our garment of praise will be made known. And see, this is why it's so important to have an eternal view of life. Because in that day, you will see Jesus face to face. You will see him as he is, and he will see you as he's intended you to be before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1. Isn't that amazing? Like I'm blown away by that. So he wants to change things. He wants to do that. He wants us to take off the ashes, and put on a garment of praise. He wants to give us a headdress that's beautiful. And guess what? He's already done it. He's already done it. You see, there's some teaching that has been pervasive in the church for a lot of years that basically says that you're still a sinner, And you're not. This is all connected, you see. You're not a sinner. Now, you still sin. Because we still have temptations. We still have our flesh encasement. And we make bad choices sometimes. But our nature has changed. So, who, what was at the root of who you are has changed. So that the old person you were before you met Jesus, that's not who you are. You have a new nature. You have a new nature. You see, Terry talked about it when he was here. Terry Virgo talked about it. He said, you know, we have to reckon ourselves in the right column. It's about being in the right column. We have to reckon ourselves as dead to sin and alive to righteousness. We'll move on in Isaiah 61. He wants to give us the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Have you considered yourself as the planting of the Lord, an oak of righteousness. Like oak trees are amazing trees. Oak trees have what's called a tap root. So some trees have these spindly roots that go all over the place. They're they're called runners. They go all over the place. In in front of our house where we used to live, we had a red oak right in the front, and it was like this big around. I remember talking to... uh, Talking to a guy that knew about trees, and I said, You know, because like, we were thinking about getting it cut down, and eventually it did get that cut down, but and it was like, Do I have to worry about this tree falling on my house? He said, Gary, the only way that there's going to be any damage happening to anything with that tree is if you're standing under it and some dry branches drop down on your head. That tree isn't going anywhere because it has a taproot that's typically goes deep into the ground, as deep as... This is what he told me. I couldn't believe it. And then I looked it up, and it turns out it's true. But this taproot went deep into the ground. He said, it goes as deep as it is high. And I'm like, really? Like, that's pretty impressive. You know, like, who thought of that anyway? <laughs> so, have you considered, though, that you're an oak of righteousness? Why do oak trees thrive so well? It's because their root goes deep, their tap root goes deep into the ground, and guess what? It tap, you can have it can be drier than a cork boot in Fredericton, and that oak tree would produce the most beautiful leaves in every fall. I'd be reminded of because I'd have forty bags of them to, to rake up. I mean seriously, it would it would be incredibly productive, incredibly fruitful every year, and. You couldn't walk on the lawn with bare feet because the acorns would just kill you. Like It was awful. I mean, this thing was productive. In the midst of a drought, it would be productive. Sound familiar? Psalm 1. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, right, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, etc. He and she will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its season, its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he or she does, he or she will prosper. Is that incredible? You know, Scripture interprets Scripture, but it gets better. Turn to Jeremiah seventeen. So that gives you a glimpse. That's like the, that's like the precursor to this next bit. Uh, Do I have the right one? Yes. Thanks, Ben. That's twice. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. So here's a warning and a blessing, okay? Cursed is the man or woman who trusts in man. In other words, who trusts in the system. Trusts in himself or herself. And makes flesh his strength. Didn't we just talk about the flesh? whose heart turns away from the Lord, because if you trust your flesh, you cannot serve two masters, right? Whose heart turns away. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited, uninhabited salt land. Like, yeah, sign me up for that one. I, I, I want that one. But folks, we sell it sometimes, don't we? And isn't it good that God is gracious and he, sa- he, he never lets you go, you see? His grace will pursue you and he will always go looking for you. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought nor for it does not cease to bear fruit. I want to submit to you this morning that both the shrub and the tree live in the same environment. It's a parched land. We're aliens and strangers on this earth. This is not your home. This isn't where you're... Like, there's a new heaven and a new earth coming, but this, like the scriptures are pretty clear. This isn't your home. And it's a pretty nasty world out there. And you can have the most beautiful summer day, of which I hope we get a few, but you can have the most beautiful summer day. But that, that still isn't your home. It's still, if you want to think about this in the spirit, we live in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And God wants you to set your taproot deep because in the, in the year and in the season of drought, guess what? Your leaves still produce fruit. And that's when, it's not just for you, you see. This is, so I'll use the word, this is missional. Because when your leaves bear fruit, when there's fruit hanging from the tree and there's drought, it should cause and will cause those who don't know the grace of God to say, like, seriously, like, how come you're bearing fruit here? Now, they may not say it that way, but you know what I'm talking about. They're going to come to you, and they're going to say, "You know what? Like, I want some of what you got. I don't know. I don't know how this all works, but I I, I want what you have. Can you can you show me how to have what you have?" I had this dream the other night. This is like three or four nights ago, and in the dream, this this student of mine, this former student, came to me in this dream, and 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 was like. I I don't know what it is about you, but can you can you tell me what life is about? And in the dream she come to know Jesus in this dream. It's like if you go to the next verse in that chapter of Jeremiah seventeen, there's another warning about the heart. It's what? It's deceitful. It's sick. See, you can't... I get really nervous when I hear people say, just follow your heart. Oh. Uh Uh-uh. I don't want to follow my heart. I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not... In other words, your feelings and the way that we perceive things, we can't trust those feelings. This is... Like, we have to... We have to come in line with what the Bible says and not with what our culture is saying. Our culture is opposed to the things of God. It's because it is. And of course, I said missional, verse 4 of Isaiah 61 says, they that's us, shall build up what? The ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. And you will be called the priests of the Lord. And they shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. Folks, we're called to something bigger than what we think. Because it's... As much as God restores us, as much as God does the Isaiah 61 in verses 1 to 4, what he's doing, what he's all about, he wants to bring others into this knowledge and this realization of the goodness and the grace and the majesty of God. It's like that's the first thing we hang out there. When, you, when, you're, when you're displaying the fruit of God in your life, you're displaying God's goodness and his grace. It's not about reminding people of how evil they are or their sin. We've got it backwards. We display the grace of God, and when we display the grace of God, there's an awareness of how lost we are. When God's grace was displayed to me by the the man and the woman who led me to Jesus all those years ago, they didn't go on about how sinful I was and how separated I was from God I knew I had a problem what they did was they told me about the manifold grace of God and his goodness and his mercy and all of the things that God does to bless our lives and how he wants to include me little old Gary short French Acadian guy from St. John imagine South End who doesn't know anything and he wants to include me in this Like, that's attractive. I'm attractive to the fruit on the vine. I'm attracted to the fruit in a tree whose taproot is going deep. Even though it's a dry and weary land, I'm attracted to the fruit-bearing tree. And I'm like, what do I have to do? I knew that I was distant from God. I, I had a tacit understanding that I was far from Him. I couldn't put it into words. But I knew I had an issue, and many issues, actually, probably more than National Geographic, but that's another thing. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it was the grace, and the goodness, and the mercy of God, you see, because it's God's kindness that what? Leads us to repentance. It's His kindness His kindness was displayed to me by two people who painted a picture of God's goodness and grace for me. And I told you the story before. I won't go into it. But I had to lead myself to Jesus because they never got anybody that far before. So what do I have to do? Do I have to kneel? Yeah, that'd probably be a good day. Really, I had to lead myself kind of to Jesus. I say that with tongue in cheek. But I wanted wanted Jesus. When, When they when they displayed that goodness of God I wanted that did I have an awareness of my sin absolutely but I was delivered from it because I was taken from one kingdom into another in an instant see it's missional this is about this is bigger than us guys this is bigger than Christ Central Church this is bigger than all the churches in town this is this is a global initiative that the holy spirit is Executing across the planet and has been doing for thousands of years. It's a global thing. This didn't start in the New Testament, by the way. This is Old Testament. He includes all of us. You know, we hear a lot about inclusiveness. God is the most inclusive. He, it's His idea. I wonder sometimes He's just like, um, I thought of this first. Yeah, I, I'm inclusive. I'm reaching out to you. You couldn't reach out to God. He reaches you. He comes to you. He's coming to your neighbors. He's going, and we have a role to play. We have a responsibility as well. We have a responsibility to maintain our taproot and to keep our root deep in the ground so that it's drinking up the things of the Spirit because the Spirit gives what? Gives life. Jesus said, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. See, He truly does want to anoint you to bring good news to the poor. You can do this. The God of the universe partners with you and partners with me. Like, I don't understand that. I don't get that. It's like, really? You want to, like, seriously? You want to partner with me in this? He wants to partner with you. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion that shall have, they shall have everlasting joy. See, God is about joy. He's about bringing a beauty and restoration to his creation. This is what it's about. We have a problem. We're born in this world with the inheritance of Adam. Adam and Eve, the first humans, they messed it up, father of the human race, and as a result of their disobedience, you get to be disobedient too. Oh wait, I didn't even have a chance to choose this. You kind of do. But at the end of the day, you're born in his lineage and you inherit Adam's stuff. You inherit dysfunction. You inherit all kinds of nasty things. You inherit this nature that we have referred to earlier, the sinful nature. You inherit this nature. That's who you become. That's who you are. And there's no way out of it. There's no way out of it. But Jesus, but Jesus comes as the second Adam. Do you ever wonder why Jesus had to be born of a virgin? It's because the father lineage had to be broken. That's why Mary was impregnated with the Holy Spirit. And the sin line was broken there because lineage is passed down by the Father. And so Jesus' Father is his Father. And that lineage is broken. And so he becomes, the Bible says, the second Adam so that everything that Jesus is and does and is about becomes yours when you put your trust in Him and you choose Him, what happens is you actually, you actually, as I said earlier, you become encased in Jesus. You put your trust in Him. That's good news, folks. Right? And it's not just for your sins that He died, although it is. It's even worse than that. Because if you go to the uh, emergency room and you say I have all these things happening with my body I'm not sure what they are and they do all these examinations. You could have all this weird stuff going on I've been reading about Lyme disease lately because I don't want to have a tick on my body right and if I have a tick bite What do I do and all this stuff? So there's all these symptoms associated with Lyme disease, but for years doctors just Treat it. They didn't know anything about Lyme disease, so they are treating symptoms But what's the problem? They're not treating the actual root cause, right? And so sins, as we call them, and they are, those things where, where we, the things we do, the, we do those things because of the nature that's within us. You see, it's like, a, it's like a, a disease. And the symptoms of that disease are the things that we do and we don't do, the sins of omission and the sins of commission. But Jesus comes and He, when we put our trust in Him, our nature is changed. We're hidden in Him, and we take on His life. In His his death, we are buried with Him. Wonder why in baptism we bury people because we are more than symbolically, spiritually, truthfully buried with Christ, death spiritually. We're raised to life in Christ, And all that is of Jesus is of us. We're righteous, we're holy, we're redeemed. So if you felt really, really awful this morning coming in here, and you didn't feel like you had the headdress of gladness on, you felt like you were low and couldn't really... Worship God. Well, the reality of it is is that, yeah, you can because, you see, you are righteous because of what Jesus has done, not because of anything you did or didn't do yesterday or this morning, 10 minutes before the meeting. Nothing you can do can change your standing because he has declared you as righteous. He has declared you as separate unto him. In other words, you're holy. That's how that works. And redeemed, so there's an eternity for you with Him. I think that's pretty cool. So why don't we stand this morning and maybe Joel and his team can come and Joel has a knack of pulling the right one out so I'm not going to even ask him to come up with a song but I just feel like this morning you know He's come, Jesus has come to give sight to the blind, freedom to the captives. He wants us to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He wants us to see him as much as we can in this life as he is, as the savior of the world, as the one who brilliantly stood up in the synagogue and or in the temple and pointed to himself in Isaiah 61. It's like, hey guys, that's me. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Like, maybe you don't know this Jesus this morning. Maybe, you know, it's like, oh, my life is just a mess. Jesus is the only one that can change the mess and clean things up to the place where you can say, you know what? I can be like him. If that's you this morning, Jesus, all you need to do is call, like do a 911. God, I need you. Come and change my life. We'll work out the details. I knew nothing when I came to Jesus. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I, I knew nothing. And Jesus met me where I was. He can meet you where you are this morning. Maybe you know Jesus, and maybe, like I said, maybe it's been Ash City. Maybe it's been ashes for a long time. Jesus wants to transform your life, and he wants you to see it differently. Hey, Yeah? I want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, we stand here this morning, and Lord, I... Lord, I feel a little embarrassed because I didn't prepare this. And uh, I just pray, God, that you would take these ramblings and you would use them. Maybe you just need to, this morning, maybe you just need to put your hands in a posture of submission and and say, no, I I don't have it all together. Maybe that's you this morning. I know it's me. I got my hands up because I, I recognize that I need Jesus. And maybe you're in that spot too. You know, you say, you know what? I need Jesus to come and change me. I need Him to change my view. I need Jesus. I need you to change the way I look at life. Maybe you look at life. Maybe you just feel like you're a negative person, and you you don't want to be, but Jesus wants to change even that. He says, you know what? I can I can help you to see the joy in life. Just can you to look around. Why don't we just raise our hands? Just let the Spirit of God come. He's here this morning. You know, you need Jesus. Wherever you're at, let's be honest with Jesus. Some of you There's been death in your life, you know Jesus, but there's areas of your life that have died. And he's saying, you know what, I want to bring life to that. And he's putting his, he's putting, he's doing the chest compressions and he's, some of you, it's even what Matt said. Like, it seems desperate. But his promise to you is, I've come to give you life. And I've come to cause the heart rate monitor to start to flicker again. Maybe you've been dead in your feelings Maybe you just feel like an emotional flatliner. Jesus says, I'm coming to give you life this morning. i ask you to do something very brave, as Joel plays. We don't have anybody prepped to pray for people or anything like this, but I just feel like in a morning like this, that some of you just need to take a step forward and just to say, you know what, I'm just acknowledging my need and... I don't even think we need anybody really to have to pray for you unless you want that. But maybe you just want to come or you just step out in the aisle or come to the front and just to acknowledge that, you know what, I need Jesus. Maybe I, 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 I want to be that fruit-bearing tree and I want, to be, I want to be the one that my neighbor comes to. Jesus can answer that prayer too. So we've got a lot of basis to cover this morning. So I'm going to let Joel start let's just worship for a minute and then we'll give you a little bit more direction, but God gives these windows of opportunity. Let's worship him. Joel, why don't you lead us?